Hello, everyone. Uh, this is a sidetrack, sidetrack number 11. Um, and I'm here with Tim. Hello, Tim. Live from quarantine. Uh, this is uh, Timothy Deal. <laughs> yes, and I am also in quarantine. And we didn't quite feel like doing a normal episode for a variety of reasons. We can't get together in the same way. The podcast didn't want to take us to someplace different. Everyone's in quarantine right now. Even the podcast. I know it's weird. And so we thought we'd do something a little um, quarantine-oriented, a little different today. Tim, did you notice today um, that it was snowing? You know, I thought I might have seen a a few flakes, which is not fair, considering we've actually had like 60, almost 70-degree weather. It was close to 80 yesterday, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, nothing surprises me anymore (laughs) in terms of weather. No. But so, um, now, you're technically still working, correct? Yes, I am. You're Um, essential. Yes. Since I work in legal services, that is considered essential, although we have cut way back on the number of appointments that we have in the office. But yes, so I the whole quarantine thing's been kind of weird for me because my schedule hasn't honestly changed that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, I, I can't go to the gym and church and do uh, other live things, but for the most part my day-to-day is still fairly normal. So I I, I somewhat I mean, I'm and I'm grateful to have the uh, stable income for sure. But there is a part of me that can't help but feel like I'm missing out on something. <laughs> yeah, my poor brother says he's working hard during quarantine than he did previously. Mm. Um, I'm like half off. Like I do financial stuff at where I'm working. So like I still have to keep the money rolling and things. And we're like half essential because we do repairs and things. So it's been a weird kind of on off sort of couple weeks for me, which is I mean, it's been nice to spend some extra time home with the kids and stuff, but also just weird because I can't quite get into a normal anything can't develop any kind of routine yeah yeah and yeah that, and that that's would be another thing that you have that i don't the the kids i mean that yeah that's a whole different ball game and they're they're learning from home i mean nothing new for homeschoolers but it's a little weird when you are technically out of school and also not at school my son loves it because he can get his work done in half the time it would normally take to go to school but <laughs> yep Yep, the, stu- the studious kids. That's the way it works. And he's yeah, he's right at that age. As a someone who is homeschooled all the way, I can attest that I wasn't able to do that by the time I got to high school. Yeah, but yeah, that round Fio's age. Yeah, that's that's totally doable. Mm-hmm, exactly. But anyways, we're going. To, even though we are, you and I are both kind of out and about still to a certain certain limited extent. We thought today for our sidetrack, we kind of just pretend we weren't. And um, well, I mean, and we we are still trying to social distance from yes from outside of just core essentials. Uh, I, yeah, there's, I don't there's do some, much. Some of my family I haven't seen in a while, so. Mm-hmm. But we thought uh, we might give you, our dear listeners, kind of some uh, kind of a talk through walk through of our um, bookshelves, movie shelves, just kind of be like, hey, if we were stuck here forever, here's what we would have a chance to um, visit. Like <laughs> if this was all we had we were for the next you know, year, here's yep. what we would live on. And uh, admittedly, we, we stole this idea from one of our favorite podcasts, 99% Invisible, where Rowan Mars, the host, just wandered through his house talking about the design of various things that he had in his house, which was cool. Yeah, it was kind of very neat. And honestly, if you're not listening 99% Invisible, um, on one side, you probably should. On the other side, don't, because then um, it's much better than this one. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So, so Tim, what do, what do you want to – you know what? I've only looked at your little bookshelf, I think, in, your, in the living room, but you have a larger one elsewhere. 
Yes. This is kind of fun to talk about our shelves because whenever I go visit someone's house, this is like one of the first things I look at. If they have a oh, bookshelf I, out, I have I've to go through it. I always look at their books. Yeah, that's how you, that's how you judge people. I mean, <laughs> um, don't judge a person by their bookshelf or. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it does. A shelf gives marvelous insight to a person and their history and. Uh, maybe things that are important to them. But yeah, what Nick is talking about out in my family room, I do have a small little bookshelf that has the idea is it's going to be filled with comic books. I've got one shelf that's filled with a bunch of old Peanuts books that I got from someone who babysat us a long time ago. And they just had a ton of these and I was fascinated. And so they gave me a whole bunch of them. These little, you have years and years of the Peanuts, don't you? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it'd be years. Like It's this collection of uh, really old paperback size Peanuts collection. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and they're they're pretty worn out at this point because I got them when I was like nine. And so family used them quite a bit. But my goal is to fill up the rest of that shelf with various comics. That's going to be my end to being a, a cool uncle. Uh, <laughs> nice. At some point, I got the whole bookshelf. And then on top of that, I've got a smaller, uh, this little miniature shelf thing that's got a lot of devotionals in it. But in my study, I've got two bookshelves full and then my DVD uh, shelf is in here too. I've had to move some of the books to, uh, I've I recently got a little smaller cabinet shelf thing that I said I'm going to start moving more classics into just mm-hmm. because I was beginning to run out of room on the bookshelves. So, but Nick, I know you've got even, you've got a lot of bookshelves, some in your office, some in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. When we moved from our old house, so many boxes of books. Um, <laughs> and now they're, they're somewhat organized. I'm not going to take everyone through all my shelves. It might be a little redundant. But they are organized in a, in a relatively interesting manner. The one right next to the desk where I tend to type and do things like that, and I'm standing right now, is sort of my – well, the fr- top half is kind of like my main bookshelf for like books I find important. Um, the bottom is all Ted Decker stuff from Natasha. But um, – like the very top shelf is basically my my collection of books I had had to read in school. Okay. And some of them I keep because like, oh, I want to read that again. And other ones I'm like, I can't quite get rid of that one. And maybe – so we got – High school cool and things. college or both? Um, Yeah, or, high school or, and college. And both. I've added some other classics. It's largely classics. So I've added like um, Wise Blood. I think we mentioned the podcast got added to that shelf. At some point, I read The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand and added it to the shelf. But I got books like um, Le Morte de Arthur I found at a garage sale. that I still haven't read that one. Um, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which is a great poem. Um, what is this? Um, Arthurian Romances. This is actually an interesting um, story behind that one. That was I actually got for a gift for being in Randolph Johnson's wedding, who married uh, Leah Angel, uh, friends of ours at taylor oh Um, that's a cool wedding party gift yeah exactly there's things like luther which is a play in macbeth and school for scandal which like some sort of i don't even remember it's from high school some sort of play about manners british sort of thing great gatsby you know that sort of stuff was all in this um a book that i i don't detest many books i read in high school but one that i always actually played up to testing no pun intended was test of the durbervilles by thomas hardy Anyway, so that's kind of that, that shelf. It's like my, hey, cool thing, things that I, I either want to read again or I put there because I don't, they're too good to get rid of. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, you kept a book that you say that uh, you detested. See, I can't get rid of classics, though. I, I didn't really detest. I think I have a feeling if I read it now, I'd appreciate more than I did as a sophomore. Mm, I see. I but see. I don't think I would like it like I like, like A Tale of Two Cities. 
I love. Like I've read it like three times from high school. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, so that's my classic shelf. Underneath that is my sort of science fiction shelf where I have my Asimov and my E.E. Doc Smith, which is this fancy old school kind of space opera thing, Chronicles of the Lensman, Jack Van Salmon Rush D. Phil K. Dick, lots of Bradbury, some Michael Crichton, uh, Space Trilogy, and my, my, I guess my prize. I think, I don't want to mention the podcast before. So I was at this book convention once when my sister owned a bookstore. And they give away lots of books at these things. And I kept looking, kind of drooling over this hardback in the case copy of The Children of Huron by J.R. Tolkien just come out. Mm -hmm. Um, And the lady watched me come around numerous times and look at it. And she's finally like, would you like that? I'm like, yes, please. It's like a $50 book I just got handed. Oh, really? Um, Yes, it is. It is super nice. It has like the case that the hardback goes in. Like the hard, uh-huh. um, and it has you know it's like the nice paper and the pictures in it, and so that is my prize from um, <laughs> from going to a book convention one time. Nice, that's very generous of her. And then, well, well, okay, I'll just finish mine up real quick here. So the shelf underneath is largely Wheel of Time, um, and not even all of it because it's ridiculously large. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in front, kind of like not stacked well, are these books I found in the library. They were just giving away, or I bought it. They're like fifty cent sale. It's my basically my to read list, um, and I have things like The Grapes of Wrath, Bridge of Terapithia, so a short story collection, At the Back of the North Wind, The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, just a weird hodgepodge of stuff that I will eventually get to. <laughs> sure, you will. Yep. Well, hey, I'm reading one right now. I'm reading Agamemnon, the play, the famous Greek play that oh. I also got from the library. Wait, Agamemnon. It's interesting. I'm trying to remember, that's the one that, that's a Greek play, right? Yes, I think it's pretty famous, yeah. but I had never read it, I know. I of. feel like I might have read that one in Art is an Experience. No, it sounds like one you would. I mean, at the beginning, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And now I'm like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I remember finding it tough, but uh, meaty. So what is, what is, do you have any sort of organization to your shelf for special books there? Yes, I do. Um, so, okay, so I've got, like I said, there's two... Big bookshelves here. The the one on the right is mostly the uh, academic one. The bottom shelf has got binders from college and grad school, which I probably don't need. But when I look at this shelf particularly, it reminds me a lot of, I remember my parents having to sort through, weed out some books from college or in my dad's case, dental school. And I remember being like 10 and being like, why did why'd you guys keep all these things if you don't <laughs> this, this long, if you're not going to use them? And they're like, well, there's so much time and money invested in these things. It's hard to, to give things up. And I look at this shelf and like, oh yeah, I really am my parents. <laughs> Uh, but I've got nice. like binders that's got like homework assignments. And I figure I'll keep it for research, right? Uh, you never know. But anyway, yeah. so the shelf above that is mostly film school textbooks. Some stuff that I read and really enjoyed. And honestly, there's some other books, particularly from like my uh, religion and film class that I never read, to be honest, <laughs> and meant to. But when it became clear at that point in that class that the reading would not be tested in any way, that was one of the first things I dropped. Was, I mean, I yeah. kept, it was a good class. I kept going, doing the class, obviously. But it's like grad school, if you don't have time, you've got film projects to do. Yeah. It just got put to the side. So there's a number of books, see, with titles like Religion and Film, Faith and Film, Imaging the Divine. Uh, I would like to read someday. 
Yeah. One of those books, probably the book in there that I remember enjoying the most that's on that shelf is called The Genius of the System, Hollywood filmmaking in the studio era. And that was, I just thought it was a really fun film history book. Um, well, you brought stuff like that up in the podcast numerous times about yeah. this studio system. Yeah, the studio system, I can, if I'm talking about that, is is from ideas that sunk in from that book in particular. It was just, mm-hmm. it was kind of like reading, uh, you know, one of those those fun film documentaries on AMC or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shelf above that is kind of a mix of film school with some also stuff from my theater minor and undergrad and some other books on creativity I've picked up along the way. Uh, my Jim Henson collection. I've got a mini Jim Henson's biography. There's a book called Make Art, Make Money uh, that's, that kind of explores Jim Henson's way of doing that, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I th- uh, has interesting ideas. And there's a book called uh, Memoirs of a Muppets Writer, uh, which is by Joseph A. Bailey, who did some writing for Sesame Street and for The Muppet Show. And so pretty cool insider perspective that you don't get to often. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's a fun shelf. And then I'll finish up with the one, yeah, the top shelf on that shelf, if that makes sense, <laughs> is actually audio stuff. Oh, interesting. I've got a couple different Adventures and Odyssey albums, all on cassette tape, <laughs> which probably need to be transferred over <laughs> to something else at some point. Also, same with, I've got some other like cassette, uh, there's some Bible stories. I have this thing, Dan and Louie was like this ventriloquist, you know, and dummy thing that did this whole this whole big thing of Bible stories. And I just, I don't know, I just liked them a lot as a kid. Nice. Um, and then I've also got some old-time radio from my old-time radio days in high school. I was really infatuated with that, so I've got uh, that's on that shelf, too. So, yeah, that's that one. That sounds very, very Tim. <laughs> I do, I, before we move the movies, uh, which I have a feeling mine won't be near as interesting, um, <laughs> I, this, this other little bookshelf I have to mention, just because the top shelf, half of it's basically just books by me or other writer friends, which is an interesting thing. I don't know that everyone has. Yeah, I've got one of my shelves on the the big shelf on the left. Uh, yeah, one of the middle shelves has got my collection of uh, stuff that you've written, stuff that Nathan's written, stuff that we've written together, Story Project, Children of the Wells, mm-hmm. Destroyer. Exactly, yeah. I'm yep, looking at all that stuff. Once the Complete Collection. That's a rare book. That's that super rare book. Which is okay, because um, like, some of my short stories are there, like, eh, it's not that great. It doesn't <laughs> probably doesn't deserve to be in a hardback book, but there it is. There it is. <laughs> and I just have to mention, under that's my shelf that has all my Dostoevsky and Lewis, and has the Silmarillion. So that shelf's pretty... If I, you know, if I kept one shelf in the room, it might be that one. Nice. Um, it, has, it has Les Mis, Moby Dick, Dostoevsky... Till We Have Faces, Odyssey, Aeneid, Silmarillion, The Hobbit, and The Gulag Archipelago. It doesn't get much better than that. So, No, that's that's a solid collection right there. That That's a shelf right there. So, <laughs> so Tim, do you have anything interesting on your – my movie shelf is largely – Oh, you just the movies? I thought movies. you were going to go to your other another bookshelf because I have – Do all... you want me to go? I, get, I don't know. Am I boring people with my bookshelves? I hope not. <laughs> Here's go. Here, here, Tim. I want you to pick out one or two books that you want to have – you have a story behind. Okay. So here's I have a I have a book here on it's kind of hidden at all times but it's one of these books I constantly come over to and think I should try reading that it's a book I've tried reading twice I've never finished <laughs> but it's constantly alluring me and you've probably never heard of it it's called uh, Otherland by Tad Williams it's a uh, um, a 
fantasy, not quite a fantasy. Basically, it's like an early book about like people getting stuck in a virtual reality sort of book. Okay. There's a one of these like African um, clicking tribe is one of the main characters, and I mean it's and the guy writes really very interesting. There's just something about the plot that just doesn't. It's like a lot of visuals and not much movement, or at least from my memory. But it's one of those big like fancy books that always like must read, <laughs> and, and I just I just can't get through it. I don't know. I have uh, I've tried numerous. I remember I first looked at this series, these four books, back at uh, what was that? Little Professor Bookstore. Do you remember that in Fort Wayne? That sounds vaguely familiar. Was it in the mall? There was one on Dupont, and there was one over by. Well, I'm going to say Canterbury, because that's where I, I do it. But I'm sure there's um, off of Jefferson over by that part of the town. Yeah, I don't know. I, that does tickle some brain cells. I feel like they uh, they might have sponsored some shows on PBS or something. Yeah, that's possible. And I, I remember looking the every time going and looking at this series. You know, I back in those days, you go look at the fans for I would look at the fans, and you always find the big books with the cool covers. And you would just kind of skim through and be like, is this Wheel of Time worthy? And none of them were. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> at least that's how I did it. Uh-huh. Um, so what, give, me a, give me one with a story. Well, let's see. Looking at my shelf, the first thing that catches my eye, and I may have mentioned this. I don't know if, know if you remember back in episode... I looked at this earlier, uh, 46. Oh, nice. The uh, expurgated version or whatever you call that, whatever that word was. Yes. Where we (laughs) talked about like minor influences. The Peabody Adventure series, I may have talked briefly about it, but it's this this children's book series. Because one of my shelves, my top shelf on the left side is mostly like childhood books novels that I liked as a kid. They've got Frank Peretti's Cooper Kid Adventure series. But the Peabody series are probably one of the most well-worn because I read and reread some of those books a lot. I don't know if anyone outside of like homeschoolers would know it because it was <laughs> published by Bob Jones University Press. And it's your typical like kids solving mysteries and going on adventures mm-hmm. written from a Christian publisher. But I really liked the author's voice in there. Um, and I've always been kind of sad that she she didn't seem to do a whole lot. She didn't really publish a lot after that. These were published in like, I want to say early 90s. How many were, was it long? I mean, were there lots of little books, kind of like Box Art uh, Children? No, or? Not exactly. No, there's There were six books. I think they were written for like fifth through sixth grade. Okay. The first one's a little bit longer. The second one is, the rest of them are considerably shorter. Okay. But yeah, like first one's like brother and sister the first one's almost like two parts. Like in the first part, they break up a smuggling ring. And then the second one, they go on a summer vacation and deal with some other bad guys that they find out about out in the hills. So stories like that. Um, oh, nice. Very much in the kind of, you know, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew kind of tradition. But yeah, I, I remember reading them to my to my sisters a lot. And uh, Jerry Massey was the author. So uh, if she's out there. I'd love to hear more from her. Nice, nice. I think one of my more... Uh I don't know if eclectic or just wide-ranging shelves on the very bottom of a third shelf here. <laughs> but I have my collection of 80 of the Little Black Penguin classics that I think I've mentioned before. Yeah, and then yeah. behind them, immediately behind them, is my collection of, I think, what, what is it called? E- is it Eton Press? Is that the fancy press with the nice the books that are all like gold-bound and everything? Yeah, Easton Press. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten, ten books of different myths from different cultures, like Greeks and Norse and 
Hindu and stuff. And then right next to those two is my complete far side collection. Oh. So you and so your it's far quite side. the quite the um comprehensive shelf here between myths, literature and the best comic that was ever there maybe arguably second to Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> but maybe. But that's so yeah, so I could live in this room for quite a while, honestly. Oh yeah. No, I've I've seen that room. It's got a great collection. <laughs> and there's a lot of good a lot of good young adults of Natasha's that I don't know anything about. Um a lot of them came from when she worked at the bookstore, advanced reader copies. And then like two shelves of like the complete works of Ted Decker. The last two shelves in my my big shelf there's I've got a book book of like theology and Christian nonfiction stuff. Then yeah, my bottom shelf there has got a lot of eclectic stuff. <laughs> it's, nice. it's got some like new evidences and man of verdict, really big thick stuff. It tends to be where the oversized books go. Yeah. But then there's also oddball stuff like I've got this book that I think I got for Christmas not too long ago, and I need to look some more through it. It was pretty fun, called The 2,548 Best Things Anybody Ever Said. Oh, nice. Which is a fun title, and I'm happy to say I've got that right next to a book called The 776 Stupidest Things Ever Said. (laughs) That is great. That is great placement there. That is good bookshelf work. (laughs) Thank you. So what one book that you remember having read that you wish you had on your shelf? Ooh, that is not a, not something you not something you want to read, but something you've had you've read and you were like, I need that on my shelf, but I don't have it. That is a good question. Let me think here. While I'm thinking, do you have uh do you know of something? Yeah, it's not a profound one, but talk about Little Professor Bookstore. And if anyone in the audience lived in Fort Wayne and you can you can remember this with me. But um I remember getting Adventures of the Lone Wolf. I, I had it at one point. I think I've since lost it or thrown it away or something. But it was like a choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. Except you could keep, you could get items and you could fight bad guys in it. There was like this randomized number table in the back for like hitting people. And you can get it online for free now. But the first, it was just like whatever age it was, probably late middle school. It was just magical that I could read this adventure book and it'd be a choose your own adventure and it'd be like an RPG. And it was so, it, I, it was awesome. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. I thought you did have a copy of it. I don't. I if I do, it's been lost since. Huh. Um, I've I've hunted. They've they've released it free on the internet, all like twenty books of it. But it's just not the same as having it in your hands. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I was trying to think of something really deep that I'd really want on my <laughs> on on my shelf. But uh, I mean, here's the thing. It's it's a it's in terms of like book buying. I don't tend to buy a lot of novels, uh, which I know may sound strange but like i think for me because i grew up going to libraries quite a bit and you know if there's a book you like you know you can you can usually just go back to get it at the library yeah i have a i have a habit my book buy, i don't buy a lot of books but i i always feel it's worth buying uh, for me whatever i consider a classic because i figure i can always pass this on to people yeah i guess that's that's the trick because like it's nice to have a book but at the same time you you know you're not gonna re- reread it very often yeah, exactly. Books I can share, I like. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, this is going to sound silly, but the only thing I can think of is more just, I don't know that I really would, it's like, oh, look, that's on my shelf. But it's like, I like to look through it again. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, there was a series of books. I think it was actually, there was a Sesame Street magazine that they collected in book form. And I remember there was this ongoing serial story with Ernie and Bert, where Bert was dressed up as Penelope. It was like a, a take on the uh, the old perils of Penelope. That was a series of like black and white 
what do they call it? The serial films where, you know, like okay. she ends up on some sort of cliffhanger and then has to get rescued at the end. They, they did that with Ernie and Bert with Bert dressed up as Penelope. <laughs> I just, I, I think it was the first time I encountered serialized storytelling quite like that. Okay. And it was nice. with, it was with, it's Ernie and Bert, who are the the coolest so characters. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, it was. I remember that enjoying like hunting through the library, trying to find the next copy, and sometimes be checked out and like, ah, oh, no, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> nice. So, what do you think? Do we want to do a quick tour of our our uh, movie shelves as well? Sure. Why not? Since we talk about all manner of storytelling on here, I am in front of mine. Uh, no. uh, yeah, you can start. Uh, mine will be not. I mean, most of these are actually kid slash Natasha movies, but I have some here that I will share. Yours tend to get buried a lot in the back. I've noticed mine. Yes. I don't watch them as often as everyone watches theirs. Well, here's the thing. I think the mentality behind movie DVD collection is different from the mentality behind book collection in some ways. I mean, it used to be much more common before Netflix kind of took over all of our viewing habits and streaming yes. and Disney Plus. And I think it's good and bad in some ways. You know, sometimes I think people bought DVDs just to have them, even though they wouldn't really, like how often would they really rewatch them? And it was just almost a status thing as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, look at this cool collection. I own this and this and this and this. But now there's just so much out there that like I feel like you don't really need to own it unless you really like it. Um, and so yeah. that, that's kind of become my mentality for my, my movies. Although I do have some that I picked up from like used bookstores that I really don't need like hot fuzz. I really should not have a copy of that, but I, <laughs> I do for some dumb reason, but yeah, I've got one shelf that's just generic various things like that. Avengers, Batman begins. I have the first final fantasy movie for some reason. I, hmm, I wonder where that came from. <laughs> Uh, and of course, the Lord of the Rings extended edition, and Indiana Jones, Star Wars, the necessities. Yes, exactly. You know what? I don't have any Indiana Jones on DVD. It's actually kind of odd. But yeah, I have like, I mean, probably the things that come back to the most, and if you listen to Hijacks, you would know, are my collections of Babylon 5 and Lost. Uh, um, yes. Those are very yes. important collections. Those are, and the Babylon 5 was very important early. I mean, until very recently. You couldn't even find it. I mean, to me, I like to buy movies that you just, especially even now you can't find. Um, I don't buy a lot of them, but like I have a, you know, a number of Miyazaki's because it's so hard to watch them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the other thing that's important about a DVD collection. Yeah. If it's something that's like eclectic enough that you don't know if it will always be readily available to you. Because as great as the streaming services are, their libraries are not set in stone. No. Well, like for a long time, Three Caballeros was a very good one to have. You couldn't get it anywhere. That's true. Uh, <laughs> or actually, I have The Point. Have you ever heard of The Point? Uh, no. What's The Point? It's, it's, <laughs> that's the whole point. Um, no, it's a very um, – I think, I think my dad got it for me just because we watched it. It was like one of his movies he showed us when we were kids, like Yellow Submarine. You ever watched Yellow Submarine, The Beatles? I've never seen it, but yeah, I know. Like that, but this was, I guess, okay, 85, I guess it is. But it's an animated film. Ringo Starr narrates it. It's very, like, um, I don't know. It kind of has the feel of, like, Phantom Tollbooth, kind of, in the sense of, like, it's a weird world. And Oblio's the main character. He's the only guy in his whole town who's born with a round head instead of a pointed head. And so he goes on this adventure to go, like, find his point and that sort of journey, cartoon, weird 80s thing which i haven't watched forever but it's a very interesting movie lots of music like folksy sort of music Mm -hmm. now here's a question what would you say are the most well-worn 
uh, movies, DVDs on your shelf? <sighs> you mean besides like the kids' movies? Yeah. Or <laughs> most well worn? That's a good question. I think that would actually be. An, I might have to go talk to Natasha about that. She, she watches movies more often than I do. For me, but, I think, yeah, I think mine on. are probably, and this will come as much of a surprise, but The Muppet Show seasons two and three, and also uh, the Storyteller Collection. Oh, man, that's great. I wish I had that, actually. That would be a good one to own. Yeah, that's that's a very good one to own. And honestly, I think I say well, well-worn, not just because I watch them on my own a lot, but I, I tend to t- try to take those to places if I think there's a chance that like someone's going to want to watch something. Oh, yeah. Those are ones I'm like... I'm always in the mood for some of those. Storyteller is one I tend to bring a lot, but not enough people are like eager to to try it out. <laughs> it's a little. Well, that's a shame. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. That remind me, there was one. Oh, I do actually also have um, several seasons of uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus, oh, which nice. is you know not everyone enjoys, but I do. Uh-huh. Um, probably my most war- you know the movie I think I can always sit down and watch of all the movies I own. Honestly, is probably Castle Cagliostro. Mm. That is always worth watching. My son, it is still his favorite movie. Every time we watch a movie, he's like, uh, it was okay. He's like, I'm like, didn't you like it? He's like, yeah, but it's not Castle Cagliostro. <laughs> um, That's great. So, <laughs> but yeah, most, yeah there, we got a lot of the superhero movies and the you know kind of kid movie sort of things. And it got some Star Wars. It got John Carter, which I really need to rewatch because I, I love that movie when it came out. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, and I don't think I've seen that since that came out. I, I remember thinking it was it was much better than the credits gave it credit for. Uh. So yeah, but that's that's basically my movie shelf is you know it's not as storied I guess as my bookshelf. No pun intended. Yeah, one of my biggest I don't know regrets is the right word, but so on one of my shelves about half of it is anime, mm-hmm. and about half of that anime collection is Full Metal Alchemist stuff. Ah, um, the only downside of that is well, there's two different. Full Metal Alchemist series. Yeah. Um, but the first one, when I bought them, it came in these, like, season one, part one, season one, part two sets. Oh, yeah. And uh, they come, they have this little, like, guidebook inside them, which was kind of cool. But when I look at my shelf, it's like, that takes up so much room. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's one of the interesting things about DVD packaging. You know, sometimes they could do something a little too bare bones, and other times they'd, like, they, we want to take up... Half your shelf with this cool design. For, for some of the, I don't know, nerds out there, I guess, I guess I should mention this uh, bottom drawer in the living room where I keep all my old video games. Ooh. Um, and by old, I mean I have the original Chrono Trigger and the original Final Fantasy 1, 2 and 3 and Secret of Mana, Xenogears, you know, some things that are now considered pretty much classics. I know. I th- I think I think the the Chrono Trigger especially is actually worth quite a lot of money now. I was gonna say, yeah, you better hold on <laughs> tight to those things. So yeah, I just thought it was interesting. It's all in this l- random little desk drawer here. But I figured those people who like old school RPGs might enjoy knowing that I those things do exist in there. Yeah, Chrono Chrono Cr- Cross is in there too, which we've talked about. Since you since you brought up the video game thing, let me see if I can uh, move my setup here. Super Nintendo, honestly, Super Nintendo and early PlayStation was when I collected a lot of that sort of stuff. So I have a lot of those what are now considered classic RPGs just sitting around there and not much else. See, since you inspired me, I want to see what I have underneath my TV uh, on the shelf there. I forget sometimes how many PS2 games I still have. 
Well, see, I don't have, I have like two PS2 games. Well, it's partly because I inherited some from my brother-in-law, Eric Smith. Oh, okay. He gave me a bunch that, uh, since his PS2 stopped working, but actually even some of these were from before that. Some I've not played much. Let's see, well, there's two Full Metal Alchemist games. I played one of those. Um, but then I've got all the, Brian burned us a lot of classic movies back when we were doing cinema selections. Oh, nice. I got that collection under there. And uh, the complete series of Get Smart. Ooh, nice. Which I've had that for a while now. I don't think I've ever actually finished it, like late in the last season. But I enjoyed that one a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's a fun show. This will go to show how much of a hoarder I am, though, because I've <laughs> I've kept a bunch of our old VHS tapes, stuff that my folks didn't want anymore. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I keep meaning. It's like, I'm, one of these days I'm going to try to transfer these over to something else. <laughs> That's the librarian in me, I guess. All right, guys. Uh, that was Tim, that was nice. I don't think I've ever actually looked that closely at your bookshelves. <laughs> I know you've peeked at it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to look over. You know, every book kind of has a story. I mean, well, you know. Besides, besides <laughs> the story touch. that's in it. <laughs> well, and this is, I think that's why physical books will never go away, or even actually, for that matter, DVDs, is that books are not just stories. They're also how they connect to our own lives. Hmm. You can pick up a book or a, a DVD or what have you and be like, oh, I remember when I first saw this or when mm-hmm. I first got this book, where I was. I got it for Christmas or I bought it at this one used bookstore somewhere. Or... And I, I have this odd trait that I can, every time I go on vacation with my family, I can always tell them what book I was reading last time, like any vacation. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that vacation, like we went, we took the vacation with my entire mom's side of the family to um, Myrtle Beach. And I remember reading The Sword of Shannara. And, you know, I remember reading Our Friends and Frolic 6 going skiing one year. Like, uh, I know exactly, I can think of which house we rented the time I read um, Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky. I mean, like, for some reason, vacations, I can always tell you what I was reading. Yep, I've done that. The downside is then it becomes, like, uber important when you pick out your book for the beach. <laughs> I'm always trying to find, I need to find an, a new good, I, like, I'm always trying to find a, a cool pirate story to bring, at least one pirate story of some sort, or seafaring something to bring. On, on See, the- I, I'm just contradictory, because I remember one time we were at the beach, and I was reading um, The History of the Jews by Josephus. <laughs> That's not a vacation book at all. No, it's not, but it was what was next for that I was reading. You know, I don't even, I don't even... I just pick whatever I'm reading next. Yeah, I mean, last vacation I read Always Coming Home by Ursula Gwen, which was not a vacation book either. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, so yeah, bookshelves in some ways are stories of people. Again, even if they have books that you're like, why are they there? Sometimes it might just be because how they picked them up or who gave them to them or mm. memories attached to them or school or you're, they're just a horror and can't get rid of anything. So I don't know. Bookshelves are an interesting insight into people. And I think if I was trapped in my office for weeks at a time, I could find plenty of stuff to um, entertain me or even enlighten me. Yeah. So I would I would probably finally dig into some of those uh, textbooks I never read. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, dear audience, thank you for, I guess, experiencing this walkthrough with us, which is a little different, but live everything right now. Live from our homes. Live from our homes. It, everything's a little different now, anyways. But well, let's go along with something different. If you would like to give, send us a short, you know, keep it, keep it a, just a couple minutes, story about some book on, or movie on your shelves, you can either write it to us, email it to us at uh, derailedtrains at gmail.com or pick up your phone. Record it and send it to us at derailedtrains at gmail.com. 
um, we could include it in our future official episode. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. Hear what, what's on your shelf, why it's there, who gave it to you, why it's important, why you keep it even though you detest it, whatever the story may be. Yep. I'd love to hear those stories. Exactly. And have more connection with us and you. Go ahead and listen to our weekly hijack if you're bored. Um, we've got hundreds of episodes, literally. That's true. Uh, <laughs> the Weekly Hijack is uh, fast approaching episode 200. And of course, we have over 100 episodes of Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Uh, over on, I don't know, we mentioned this on the main podcast yet, Nick, but over on the Weekly Hijack, we did finish our uh, Watch Through Babylon 5, and they are now in the midst of Crusade, the spinoff series. And that's coming. That we're we're that'll be ended in, in, a, in, not, in not too many weeks. Yeah, it's about it's close to halfway through at this point. So uh, I made a joke about this on social media the other day. But if you're tired of all the coronavirus news, you can go listen to us talk about a series where evil dictators unleash a plague upon Earth, uh, forcing you know, the planet into quarantine and its heroes to go search for a cure. Um, in space. <laughs> Great. And so, yeah, and feel free to listen to us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever your good podcasts are found. Also Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher, yes. And then also, Tim, I think even though this is not an official, official Derailed Trains episode and just a sidetrack, I think we should end with, with a soundtrack. Okay. What do you got? Well, I have here a remix from Final Fantasy IX. The song originally was called You Are Not Alone. It was remixed by Sonicade into You Are Not Confined, and it seemed appropriate at this time. It, it does, it does. And You Are Not Alone is a classic of Final Fantasy IX, so excellent choice. All right, sounds good. So, Tim, um, I will see you when I see you. Hopefully sooner than later. Exactly. Adios, all. Farewell, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye. Bye-bye.